Welcome to Revenue Rehab, your one-stop destination for collective solutions to the biggest challenges faced by marketing leaders today. Now head on over to the couch, make yourself comfortable, and get ready to change the way you approach revenue. Leading your recovery is modern marketer, author, speaker, and chief operating officer at Tegrita, Brandy Starr. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Revenue Rehab. I am your host, Brandy Starr, and we have another amazing episode for you today. I am joined by Stefan Hedebrandt. Stefan is the Chief Marketing Officer and Co-Founder at Dream Data, a revenue attribution platform that collects, joins, and cleans all data to give an insightful value to your business. Stefan is a subject matter expert in a con in connecting marketing activities with revenue. He has an exceptional growth mindset, is data-driven by heart, and loves all parts of scaling the commercial side of the business. Welcome to Revenue Rehab. Your session begins now. <laughs> Such a fantastic welcome, Brandy. Thank you so much for, for the energy so far. Awesome. I am so excited to have you all the way from Denmark. Uh, I, I love when I, I get to talk to people in different parts of the world. Um, and we're going to be talking about one of my favorite subjects today. Um, but before we jump into that, I like to break the ice with a little woo-saw moment that I call buzzword banishment. So tell me, what buzzword would you like to get rid of forever um it, it's a really it's a good one and there's probably many but I, I, the one i thought about just uh, intuitively was the the people tend to say dmql uh, is dead <laughs> and uh, I, I really really disagree with the with that statement i think the uh, the reason if if the mql is dead it's because marketers have forgotten what the mql uh, stands for which is a marketing qualified lead and that means like if you actually care about that middle word that you put in quality stuff that you give on to the sales team then for me it's actually a really great measure because you know if somebody comes in of this certain quality you can expect XYZ revenue uh, three or six months later. And it's also a, a, still a fairly early indicator. So when there's still some causality between we did A and B and then C is the outcome and you can quite fast, you know, change course if you don't like what you're seeing. So if you're actually studying what quality <laughs> the qualified lead has, then it can actually be a really, really good input to producing revenue. So it's just, it's the marketers who have stopped caring about the middle part of that term, the quality that has diluted uh, what a marketing qualified lead is. So this is my, uh, my effort to bring back <laughs> the MQL <laughs> because I actually think it's very useful if you care about the fact that it has to be quality input to your revenue team. Yeah, it is one of those things that I see in marketing a lot. And I think I see this in business a lot, but but heavy in marketing is that when people are getting something wrong and not doing it well, it's like a new term has to exist. Like you yeah. can't just fix the problem because I think where that MQL is dead came from is because at one point, 
you know, people forgot what the Q meant. Like qualified yeah. was, you know, they have a pulse and, you know, they read a white paper, so they're ready yeah. to buy. Yeah. And so that part was very much like broken. And instead of actually just fixing the way that we're leveraging MQLs, it's like there's this quest for there has to be a whole new term. And yeah. it's like people just come up with new words for what technically is the same thing uh and it's like you just just like fix what it is and like let's just stop trying to come up with new words um so yeah it's become popular to say like split the funnel as well i don't know if you've heard that one but where you, people <laughs> i would say almost mansplain you that there's a difference in quality between an ebook and somebody requesting a demo call what were you doing before? Were you handing over every single email you found to and give gave that to the sales team? No. Yeah. And I mean, at one point, that policy. is what was happening. Like, yeah. I can remember early in my career when, you know, I was like, you know, technology was really just starting to get a foothold and we could actually measure a lot more. What yeah. I mean, literally, it's like they are alive. It's an MQL. Yeah. Like, so at one point, that is what people were doing was, ah, they downloaded this ebook. So let's put them in front of sales. Um, so I think uh, the marketers who disregard the quality uh, component, they should be forced to do their own uh, demo calls then based on <laughs> what they bring in. <laughs> but like, if they actually have to sit in those meetings of super low quality, they would stop it doing those things immediately because it's a waste of time. Yes, I was going to say, I love it. And now that we've gotten that out of, off our chest, and I think this uh, buzzword <laughs> actually kind of ties into our topic today. So tell me what brings you to Revenue Rehab today? Yeah, what we talked about was to talk about how uh, you can use content as a, as a revenue driver in B2B companies. I absolutely believe you can, but I think it's uh, it can be complex. It takes alignment. It takes uh, like deep knowledge about what your company do. It takes patience and so forth. But we can see amongst our customers and like for ourselves that content can be a very very uh, strong driver of revenue. Yeah, and this this conversation comes at a perfect time. My last episode, episode 67 with Lindsay Hawkins, we were talking about the content ecosystem and like really how to nail that. And, and we got on such a good discussion that we kind of ran out of time to talk about the ROI of it all and what it really matters. So uh, for those that are listening, if you haven't listened to episode 67 after, um, after my conversation with Stefan, definitely go back to that one because this comes as a really timely discussion to, to really continue that conversation. Um, I believe in setting intentions. It gives us focus. It gives us purpose. And, and most important, it gives our audience an understanding of what they should expect from our discussion today. So tell me, what are your best hopes for this discussion? What do you want people to take away? Oof, um, tough one. Um... Maybe we should try to define what we mean by content uh, and what type of content uh, do we see working uh, in our two companies? Uh, how do you create alignment in your company about what content to produce, but also 
the expectations that comes along with it. When is it that it's going to impact? Uh, because it can be very slow sometimes. And then uh, probably we can finish that off by talking a little bit about how you can talk about revenue coming from uh, from content uh, at the end of that. Awesome. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things, like, I think as B2B marketers, we know we have to produce content. We have content teams for creating. We've got tools for creating content experience. You know, we've got all of the things like content at this point is a key foundational element of everything that we're doing. Mm. Um, and where I feel like there is a bit of a challenge because we are always stretched thin and, and, you know, different priorities and pulled in different directions. And you talked about figuring out what content to create and where to put those resources. It is really difficult to measure the effectiveness of content. And it gets, you know, we make some assumptions. Um, you know, I've seen some people that are able, you know, they've got systems in place to track content consumption and, and how that ties to opportunities. But those are, are far and few in between where people have got that level of tracking. And so I'd love to hear your perspective on, you know, and I know in your company, you do a lot around measurement and attribution. I'd like to hear some of your thoughts around, like, what are you seeing that people are doing to measure content in a meaningful way? Yeah, I think, first of all, for, for many companies, you, you have to think about content uh, contribution a bit as you're only going to see the tip of the iceberg. So, so you have to kind of appreciate the tip, tip of the iceberg <laughs> once, you, once you see it. So that can be uh, like some of the early sign you would typically see is that if you do high quality content that really resonates with your audience, then you'd start seeing it being mentioned here and there. So that might be in sales conversations, the salespeople will be told, hey, I actually read this post. It was great. I really learned something. Or it could be that it starts getting shared on social media or in Slack channels or stuff like that. And these things are very, very hard to measure in a quantifiable way. So my first advice would be to, you know, just start a folder on your computer where you where you, you take a screenshot every time you see mentions for your content, because that's going to be very convincing once you get to budget time, it, it, at least if the folder is full of people saying, <laughs> this was great, I love listening to Brandy's show or, or stuff like that. So keep like a qualitative screenshot folder every time you see content mentioned. That's a very, very, very low practical way of... Uh, of um, measuring the value then if we move a little bit more into the uh i think what you can call the more technical part of of measuring content um which is what we can what amongst others what we do at dream data but i'll just talk a little bit about what you need to solve to actually measure value of of content in a b2b perspective uh, in a b2c world you typically have a visit on a website perhaps it came from organic search on google they come to your website, they find the running shoe that they're looking for, and then they buy the running shoe. Everything happens within the same session. So Google Analytics can tell you, you sold something. Mm -hmm. But in B2B, we're in a totally different world. Um, there's typically 
uh, you know, when we sell something at Dream Data, there's an average of five people involved in a deal. The person that starts the, the, the journey of the customer is rarely the ones that signs the contract. Whereas most content is produced to start the journeys, which automatically detach it from the revenue component. So what you need to solve to actually connect content to revenue in B2B is that you need to have uh, an account-based timeline. So you can see every person that is part of this customer journey. Where did it start from? What content did they consume? And then as they ship over the contract to the CEO for signature, then you can still take the revenue from the CRM system and send back to if it was a content piece uh, that started that journey. Yeah, you hit on something that I think is really important that I don't see as many companies actually addressing is, you know, in B2B, everybody knows that there are multiple people involved in the buyer's journey. There's all sorts of numbers from five to seven, you know, in terms of how many people that is it and what that that looks like along the way. However, it seems that most companies really are only developing content for who they deem the ideal buyer. Um, And, you know, in some cases that is the person that signs the contract. In some cases that is like, you know, the champion. Um, But it, 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 I don't see as many companies actually investing in developing content that supports each of those people because those are the people that don't show up in the CRM. They're not, you know, who sales is engaged with. And mm. from what I'm hearing in what you're saying and just some of my own experience, like this is a gap. If we don't have the right information to support the whole journey, we're, we're, we're you know, we're, we're kind of failing there. And, and I'm using strong language and saying failing. It's not, you know, yeah, it's not yeah, a total yeah. fail. But um that is that that sounds like it's a really key piece in th- building your journey. Go ahead. I think it's a super good reflection, uh, Brandy, and I think uh, I think you're right that many people neglect uh, this discipline. But in fact, in B two B, in many cases, you'll see that first you need to sell to one person, and then that one person needs to go back to his or her company and then resell your product. And if you if you not create if you don't create any content that helps this person going back to his company and selling your product to, to the rest of his team or her team, then it's going to be super hard to succeed with the deal. And I think that is uh, it, it it can be neglected. So you want to like low practically, you just want to go to your sales team and say, when we sell, which job titles do you hear that people have to go? <laughs> and get on board internally. Once you've done that statistic, then you have to go look back at your website or wherever you you have information about your company and think, are we actually addressing the concerns that the CFO might have here? Or or like, should we create a business case for the CFO? Or is there a data protection officer that is going to be worried about what happens with our data? Or so all these different personas that play a part in the... uh, in the customer journey, you kind of need to enable that initial uh, pain solution uh, person that found you to go back to the rest of the company uh, and sell. 
Um, I, I, I love that. And I want to, because I know I can go down the uh, content creation rabbit hole just because it's something that I'm passionate about. I want to yeah. bring it back in terms of return. I love your idea around the screenshots. That's something that we do internally um, is we're constantly screenshotting any sort of feedback to be able to identify, you know, what's working well. Mm. Um and so in thinking about how we go back and identify what people are actually using, you know, because that that's like the, if I think about why do we need to measure content, um, it really comes down to how do we keep creating the things that are help, you know, going to drive revenue and not waste times on the thing, time on the things that don't, you know, it's less about. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. how much money is this white paper, you know, generating, but more should I be creating more white papers? Um, so are there different ways that you look at the return? Because I do think, you know, there's like this natural mentality of wanting to put a, this piece of content generated this much revenue, and it's not that clear of a line. So I'd love to hear some of your thoughts around the mentality of ROI on content. And are there different ways we should be thinking about it? Or is that direct line to revenue what is best? <laughs> I think like if you're like in the ideal world, you'll be able to link everything you do to, to revenue. So you can make ultra rational decisions about what's best and what's best to do. But for many, many different kind of go-to-market functions, that's not necessarily always possible. Um, that said, um, I think the reason why you want to be able to link these activities uh, to revenue or to, to sales pipeline or something like that is for you to be more uh, effective, to spend your time better. So if you have, let's say you have 50 pieces of content, you would like to understand which of those 50 pieces are the, really the ones that drive the majority of your sales pipeline. So one, you can like focus on creating more of that type of content uh, that clearly works. And two, you can save all the time you spent writing a lot of other stuff that had no value uh, to your business uh, as well. And then maybe thirdly, which is a, a bit more of a, a defensive discipline, but you will also have evidence that you can go to your I don't know if it's the CMO or the CFO or the CEO that you need to, like, I got this headcount of three content creators. How can I defend that we keep investing in content? And and that is a challenge I felt uh, myself in a company where I didn't have that connection between you know, creating content and actually also driving revenue. That, you know, for many B2B journeys, it's going to be six or 12 months. So, Getting started with content, you know, first you have to figure out what is it that we need to produce, then you need to release it, then you need to draw attention to it, whether it's through ads or through uh, organic search or something else. It takes time, all of it. And then only from the point of time when the content, content is consumed, does the journey then start. And that might be six or 12 months from now. And now you're looking at a 12 months headcount of a content team which, you know, especially in these turbulent times can be quite hard to, to defend as well. So it's, it's also for, for your company to know that 
like the investment and bet on content being the right thing is kind of confirmed. So they keep daring to do more or uh, less of it. Okay. And I agree. Like it's crazy how as leaders, a key portion of our role is making sure that we can defend the investments that we're making, whether it's in headcount or our budget, et cetera. Um, so thinking about like being able to, to measure and to optimize if, you know, if I'm a company where we're producing stuff, um, but we have not made a lot of effort to actually be able to measure or validate what is working, where do I start? Mm. Like, where you know, how do I get started in actually putting some meaningful ROI behind my content production? Um, yeah, so we, 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 now we've already mentioned the, the, the screenshot part, so I'll, I'll not talk more about that. But what you then need to do is you have to think about how journeys happen through content in order to understand what is it that we need to, uh, let's call it track until you win customers. And um, I think the first component we see our customers uh, needing is uh, the fact that you have tracked uh, what's going on. So that means that a visitor comes to your website, consumes an article that you've written, that needs to be recorded somewhere uh, in a data warehouse that which you own and have access to. And then you need to link that session together with a user who you actually know who is. And then you need to link the user to an account who you know is. And then lastly, you need to see whether you win these accounts or not so that you can see that when you win accounts, it touched all these pieces of content on their way to, to being one. Now, you can look at that in, in two perspectives, meaning let's find content that starts journeys that we win. Or you can look at it from the hindsight perspective. When we win customers, these are the pieces of content that uh, people consume along that path. The latter is very often neglected because it's not, you know, it's not the SEO article that you create because you found a keyword that you want to <laughs> bet on. But it's an article you read as you do your personal due diligence about whether can I trust, uh, you know, brandy or can i trust this piece of software and that is like more it's the about page it's the integrations page it's the community page and all these kind of pages that you know never see a lot of traffic because it's not where people start their journey but it's those pages that people look at as they're evaluating whether they can trust your company and brand uh, uh, to becoming a customer and but both so both of these two things, what starts the journey is and what people consume as they buy, you can only produce that if you track everything that goes on on your website, link it to a user, link it to an account, and then link it to revenue in the CRM system. Uh, so it's a quite a, it can be a technical path, but I can tell you uh, it can be done now. <laughs> Maybe five, 10 years ago it couldn't, but there's, a, including our, my own company, there's a lot of vendors out there now that, that actually does have some quite interesting solutions to these things. Yeah, and I, I, I love that. I want to dive in a little bit more there because I think this is the piece that people really need to hear in that it is, you know, <laughs> it does come back to the technology and it does come back to the effort. 
because we do have all of these disparate systems that are collecting things, uh, you know, collecting data points. And those data points on their own, I call them interesting facts. Like the fact that someone got to your website from this, you know, SEO keyword, that is an interesting fact. But until we can actually make the connection between that and all of the other things, uh, you know, do they become an MQL? Do mm. they actually turn into an opportunity? Um, is there a place that, you know, this thing falls off in opportunities? Like I've seen as we've worked with clients, you know, certain places that they're really optimizing on whether it's a keyword or a key feature or a key pain point. But then as you get into the opportunity cycle, it's like it's generating a lot of opportunities, but those are the ones you lose. So, you know, if you're just really looking at volume, it's like, oh, we need to double down on this because it's creating a lot of opportunities. Um, but when, in fact, it could be like you're really focused on something that your competitor does way better, which is why you spend all this effort and then you lose. So it is really like connecting all of those dots. Like I think about when, you know, when you're a kid, you get the connect the dots exercise. When you look at it and there's no lines, you have no idea what it is. You're like, oh, that could be an ice cream cone. And then, you know, you connect the dots and it's like, oh, no, that's a unicorn. Um, and so it, it really is the same thing. Like right now, I think most marketing teams have their systems set up to identify all of the dots. But what you're talking about in terms of getting it in a data warehouse, you know, having that anchor metric that you can use to connect all the pieces together and actually paint a picture like that's really what's going to unlock that roi on what's happening that was really well put uh brandy and i think just maybe like one flavor more that you 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 reminded me about is that you need to have thought through the flow of what happens to the leads once you collect them because if the salespeople don't chase them, you're never going to see any any return of it if it just lands in some dark corner without anybody paying attention to it. Then we can have done the best content in the world, but no contracts are getting signed. So do have a conversation with the sales team about where we get an email, what should happen to this email? Are you going to call them? Are you going to write them? Or do you want us to automate some mails? Or talk through that process with the sales team. Yeah, that that is, you know, that marketing and sales alignment is one of those buzzwords that most people, you know, kind of eye roll when you say it. But there is so much that rides on those conversations between the teams in making sure that we are all doing things that make sense um, and actually are working towards the same goal. Um, so I, I really like that. I also really love the point that you made around, um, you know, thinking about the content that starts the journey and then the stuff that gets consumed along the way. And those are the things I like to call the journey accelerators. Um, mm, so what yeah. are people doing to, you know, when they are trying to, you know, get started and figure out how to solve something, but then what are they consuming that are helping them move through and I do agree that most people focus on the things that get them into the journey. 
Yeah. Because again, as marketers, you know, we're chasing the MQL or whatever yeah. term you're calling it these days. Yeah. Um, but like those journey accelerators are just as important, if not more important to increasing deal size, shortening velocity or increasing velocity, all those sorts of things. Yeah. And maybe just one last point before we round off then. I, or one tip maybe that like make sure there's always somebody from the marketing team that sits in on the weekly sales meeting because you want to hear what is it that the salespeople are talking about? What are the questions that they continuously receive from customers? Because like, I would almost say if you just hear a salesperson getting asked just once a question that you don't have an answer to on your website, you should go back and write it down and say salesperson shouldn't answer a question that our that our website could have addressed and yeah. your, if you sit down and write a quality piece of content you have a much better opportunity of answering elaborately to one question than like one salesperson have to remember everything in, in, in his or her brain so sit on the into the weekly sales meeting and just sit and listen to what are what are they being asked by customers and then see whether you actually cover these questions on the website I love that. Um, and I know that is one thing that has been like super helpful for us because, you know, especially as consultants, it's like, you know, the the answers are not as defined as if you're selling a software. It's like, does it do this or that? Like, that's pretty straightforward. Mm -hmm. But being able to have um, a salesperson give a short answer but then be like, here's this content piece that dives deep into what you're asking because that is something that people can share as well of like, oh yeah, like they're experts in this, like here are all the details and not yeah. just the short answer, you know, provided by someone in sales. Yeah, um, like we talk here, like we just did a podcast on this topic that you asked me about. Here's 30 minutes, go listen to that. That's the answer. Yeah, exactly. Um, so lovely. Uh, so Talking about our challenges is just the first step and nothing changes if nothing changes. And so in traditional therapy, the therapist gives the client some homework, but here at Revenue Rehab, we like to flip that on its head and ask you to give us some homework. So you've already given us one thing, which is we need to have someone from marketing sitting in on the sales meetings. But I'd like to ask if we are focusing on the measurement piece, if there's someone listening and they're like, you know what? We aren't even measuring the tip of the iceberg. What's their first step? What's their one thing um, that they should do next in order to try to move the needle in the right direction? I think it really like the first thing you need to do is to be curious, like be curious about whenever you win a new customer, try to understand what path did it take? Even if you don't have the data, then true, then still try to come up with the narrative of what happened here. Like try to explain what happened. Be curious about where does our revenue come from. Try to establish kind of a, a math piece of okay, it's we do A, B, C, D, and then money comes out. And that conversation continuously just keep asking that question. How what is the correlations between what we do and where revenue comes from? And then hopefully that curiosity then leads you into seeking into more advanced solutions. But it starts with you being very, very interested in how your company makes money. 
So you can do more of what makes your company money and less of what is kind of a, a waste of time. I love it. So we've come across with a number of actions. So if we're not already screenshotting places where our content's mentioned, we're going to start doing that. Get us a good folder. We're going to make sure that we've got somebody in marketing who is sitting in on sales meetings to identify content that needs to be created. So wherever they're talking about something that we don't have something, we want to fill that gap. And we're going to lead with curiosity. And it's so interesting because this is not the first time that curiosity has come up mm -hmm. as the action item um, because there is a lot of good that that comes out of when you are really digging into your revenue and how your business works from a place of curiosity. Um, well, Stefan, I have enjoyed our discussion so much, but that's our time for today. <laughs> uh, but before we go, how can our audience connect with you? And I know that, you know, you're the co-founder of Dream Data and you also have a podcast. So make sure to give us the shameless plug um, <laughs> on if anybody, you know, if this has resonated with them, how can they work with you as well? Yeah. And thank you, Brandy, for being such a great host. Um, I come to LinkedIn and, uh, and connect with me. It's uh, Stefan Hedebrand at LinkedIn. and I'll be happy to answer any kind of question you, you might have there. If you're curious about these B2B customer journeys and stuff at your company, yeah, of course, we have a technical uh, solution to it that uh, I think could be interesting to try out. There's a, there's a free product with now that is basically a, a B2B alternative to, to Google Analytics, which is completely free to, to try out. So here's an open invite to, to go for that. It's, it's dreamdata.io. Uh, that is our website. Awesome. Well, we will make sure to link to both your LinkedIn and Dream Data in the show notes. So wherever you are listening or watching this podcast, the information will be there so that you can connect with Stefan as well. Um, thank you so, so much for joining me. I have thoroughly enjoyed our discussion and you've given me some ideas for our marketing team as well. <laughs> thank you, Brandy. Awesome. Well, I hope that you have enjoyed my conversation with Stefan. I can't believe we are at the end. We will see you next time. You've been listening to Revenue Rehab with your host, Brandy Starr. Your session is now over, but the learning has just begun. Join our mailing list and catch up on all our shows at RevenueRehab.live. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at Revenue Rehab. This concludes this week's session. We'll see you next week.